Welcome to the 182nd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Adam Gitlin, author of The Deal About Face, as well as other thriller novels. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Adam Gitlin, author of the new thriller novel, The Deal About Face. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, can I have you read the prologue from your new novel? Uh, sure. I have it right here in front of me. Let's, let's do it. Prologue. A hand from behind reaches over me and grabs my chin like a vice, pulling it back as far as it will go. I groan in agony. My eyes stare at the ceiling. A drop of filthy water hits me dead center on my forehead. Seconds later, my torturer's blue eyes meet mine from no more than two inches above. Gerrit om to sprechen. Of jui nog denken jui weepen. And a gerli handling held. What language is that, I think? His spittle spraying my skin. And why do I understand it? Given my restrained circumstances, my reflexes still function and I attempt to shake my head. As I do, my assailant repeats himself. This time I hear it in English. You ready to speak? Or you still think you're some kind of action hero? As I recall why I now process everything I hear in two languages. He gently traces my face with his fingertips like a blind man seeing something for the first time. My God, Jonah, look at you. My thoughts are distorted, but I recognize the voice. Andrew Jamofsky, my dear half-brother. My head slowly bobs back up. Then, in an instant, bright, beautiful colors flash across my mind. There are jewels, splendid green emeralds, luscious red rubies. There's gold, silver. Subconsciously or consciously, I can't be sure. I squint from their sheer brilliance. I look forward. I could swear Danish Jubilee egg, the one of the eight missing Fabergé Imperial Easter eggs I had, I had been saddled with years earlier in New York City, is suspended in midair. I think of how I had kept it, a true rare treasure out of harm's way. I smile. I have something you want, Jonah, and we both know what you have to give me first to get it. My mouth fills with blood again. Instead of spitting it out, afraid of the ensuing pain from such force, I part my lips and gently push the deep red liquid down the front of me. Its warmth feels strangely comforting against my raw chin, my freezing chest. Why don't you uncuff me and face me like a man, I ask. In one swift motion, a vodka-soaked rag is crammed into my mouth. The burning of my bleeding tongue and cheeks is off the charts. A clear plastic bag is pulled over my head, trying to move is of no use. I simply can't. My heart is racing so fast I think it might explode. The unmistakable scratching sound of duct tape pulling away from its roll fills the room, though I can barely hear it. The plastic is thick. The noise seems distant. The tape is being wrapped around my neck, securing the bag to my skin. Moments later, breathing my own warm, recycled breath slowly through my nose, the bag starts crumpling in and out. It won't be long until I'm dead. He's bluffing. He's got to be. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about the deal about face yet, how would you describe the novel? The novel is like the last one. It's a financial thriller based on the commercial real estate. Uh, world of New York City, kind of using the commercial real estate world as a backdrop, which I haven't really ever seen before. 
And and I know that you have a background in commercial real estate um, as well as you just mentioned um, this novel and, and the previous novel, The Deal. Um, when you were working, were you thinking about the aspects of the commercial real estate that would work for thriller novels? You know, I, it really wasn't, it wasn't like that. I really, I hadn't thought about it until I worked uh, after business school when I graduated from, with my MBA from Syracuse University. I, I worked for six years as a commercial broker. Um, in New York City, obviously, and on a pretty, pretty in, intense team in, in, in this world. And it wasn't really towards the, the end of that experience when uh, the first book I had written was a psychological thriller. And I just didn't, as much as I love to read those books, I didn't really love writing that kind of a book just because the research and a lot that went into it, frankly, was just, uh, it wasn't appealing to me from that side of it. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of struggling what the next direction would be, with what the next direction would be for me for writing. And I, it just kind of, struck me that I was, I was seeing such an interesting world from the inside out that is as high-powered in so many ways as any industry in the world. And I figured, you know, I, I have a good understanding of this world, so this is maybe the backdrop that I need. And it kind of just went from there. Right. And in terms of your new novel, The Deal About Face, do you, do you remember the, how you got the original idea or inspiration for, for the novel? Then, yeah, I mean, it was kind of when I was coming to the end of writing the first one. Um, I started to kind of have ideas for where the book could go, the follow-up to it. And I kind of left the deal open-ended. Um, like I kind of do with every book, I feel like. I think the goal is you, you want to create an ending that's really satisfying and feels complete, but at the same time would make perfect sense that something's been left open for more to come. Um, and that's kind of what I've done with this one as well. But yeah, it was really towards the end of writing the last one. And there's been a, you know there's been a, a few years between the two, but coincidentally it's just it's convenient to say but it really did work for the evolution of the story of where Jonah is now and the time that's passed and kind of what happens from here sure sure well well what was your what was your original path to to writing novels have you always been interested in writing fiction and and what led you to writing that first novel the psychological thriller you know it's it's an interesting story because i have no training in writing um and i never thought about doing it I've always loved stories, though. Films, novels, TV. I've just always been kind of a story junkie. And uh, when I was in college, uh, you know, it was before the Internet and all that stuff, my mother would read novels and send them to me. You know, that was like when Patterson was starting. And she would send me, you know, Kiss the Girls, Along Came a Spider. She would send me Robert Ludlum books. And so when I was at school in Syracuse for my undergraduate years, I was just kind of always reading these books and, and going to see films. And it was just always a big part of me. My senior year undergraduate, uh, we got back to school, me and, and one of my close friends, who's still one of my two or three best friends. And we were talking about our last semester and, and the little requirements that we had left. And I, I remember I was talking to him. I said, you know, I've got a, I don't, I don't know what to do for this whole semester. I mean, I got, I can do nothing all day and handle my requirements and go out at night and I said, or I could do something really meaningful during the day and still have fun at night, and I don't really know what that should be. And it was actually one of my, my – he's an oral surgeon in New Jersey, my buddy Jay. He, he's, he looked at me and he said, I don't know, why don't you try writing one of those books you're always reading? <laughs> and I kind of looked at him like, like I had no idea what he was talking about, but he said, yeah, you, you heard what I just said. Why don't, I mean, he's like, what do you have to lose? If you're not good at it, you're not good at it. <laughs> so that was kind of when I, I just took a, took, took, I just dove in and, and gave it a try. That's great. So, so what is your writing process like? Did you plot and plan extensively before writing your new novel, The Deal About Face? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because outlining for me in the past has not been great, and I've kind of run into problems from it. Um, when I wrote the deal, I was working with an editor who's based in L.A., and when the book I thought was finished, you know, she read it, and she was, she's terrific, and she's very honest, and she's terrific to work with. And she said to me, she said, you know, this book is really good. She said, but here are a couple suggestions that if we can figure it out for the second half of the book, it can be great. And, you know, I was like, oh, what an undertaking. So with everything she said, I only wanted to discount and, think, and have a reason to tell her she was wrong. But the fact is she was right. But because I hadn't outlined as well as I should have, that, that process of rewriting that second half of the book took over a year. And, you know, there was just so many things that I wasn't clear of where they were. And, you know, you're changing so much in the second half. There's obviously things you're going to have to change in the first half. Sure. So what I do now is, you know, I've try- kind of trained myself to – like I did with the deal about face and with the novel I'm writing right now, which will come out next year, um, which is the next Jonah installment. I've gotten much better at outlining. I take each story storyline and kind of outline it. I outline how they're all going to work together, uh, but more of just kind of like a guideline outline in terms of where I want everything to go. I, I try to keep. I just knowing myself. If I really start to outline too much, I'll end up limiting myself. So I don't really want to do that. I just kind of want to have like almost check marks of where I need to be at certain times. And then let everything kind of work itself out in between there in terms of, you know, getting everybody where they need to go. Sure, sure. So so what what books or writers have you read in the last year or so that made an impact on you and that you would recommend, either fiction or nonfiction? Yeah, I tend to read a lot. Of, I just love fiction. I always have. I should read more nonfiction. I tell <laughs> myself all the time. But, um, I'm a huge Daniel Silva guy. I love everything he writes. Um. So his most recent books have been great. I actually recently just finished uh, Inferno, which is Dan Brown's latest, which is just phenomenal. You know, I think I think everything he writes is, you know, these are the guys that I kind of find the to be like the benchmark of this world. Sure, I kind of feel like all of us other writers are trying to kind of fit in with them and and use them as the as as really the, the high water mark. Um, but those guys I love, uh, The King's Deception, Steve Berry's latest, phenomenal. Loved that book this year. Um, I hadn't gotten around to Gone Girl, Jillian Flynn's big one that, you know, seems like the entire world has read. Um, I think she's really talented. I think that was a really good book. Um, yeah, so those are, those are the, those are the most recent ones that I've read. Great. So, so going back to the story, um, that you, that you talked about, um, a few minutes ago. So when you did sit down in, in college and write that first novel, what, yeah. what was, what was that experience like? Was it? easier or harder or or you know obviously you kept going because now you've written you know multiple novels but but what was yeah. that what were those first attempts at at writing fiction um like for you, you? know it, yeah it's it's interesting it was frustrating but there was something really exhilarating about it i mean i hadn't ever really just said all right all these different stories that you read you're reading the culmination of other people's minds just going wild and coming up with really fun great stuff and I had never, ever been in a situation where I was going to kind of challenge myself to do that. So that was really fun. Uh, I ended up writing a story called Dead End. And it was, re- it was also a psychological thriller. It was, uh, it was the first one that I'd written. It was a really wild story. It had to do with off-Broadway actresses and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a fun story, though. And uh, I loved doing it. I loved the process of actually – and that's when I really learned that I enjoy that of, of actually the challenge of putting together a really interesting story. Sure. Um, so I wrote that. I worked on it. 
and through a family friend, we had access to a literary agent named Pam Bernstein um, years ago. And, and so I wrote this book, and I, I remember you know, this draft. I don't even know if I'd call it a book. I, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> but I sent it off to her, and I'll never forget. She gave me a phone call. I think I, I'm trying to remember where I was. I think I worked on it that summer after undergraduate. And I, I forget exactly the timing, but I remember yeah. getting a call from her after she read my manuscript, and she said, you know, I got to tell you, she said, you are not a good writer. <laughs> she said, but I was like, oh. And she said, but I got to tell you also, she's like, you're a really good storyteller. And that's the part that you can't teach. She said, we can teach you how to write, but you can't teach someone how to tell a story. So that was certainly encouraging, you know, and, and she said that she would work on it with me. So we spent some time that summer and I think we were still working on it. My, my first year in business school, I think maybe we were still working on it. Um, and I remember when I was all finished and I was all excited. I was like, wow, here I am. I'm, I think I'm young for this world. You know, I'm going to go sell this thing. I don't know what was going to happen, but we got on the phone. I said to her, all right, great. She's like, yeah, you're done. I said, awesome. What are we doing now? And she was like, seriously, she was like, put it in a drawer and go write a book. I was like, come on, you're serious. And she was like, that was your master's in writing. She's like, this book is not good enough to get published. So I was like, wow. Okay. But I loved her honesty. I loved that she had taken the time to work with me. And those little lessons that she gave me, uh, those were the lessons that told me. Because here I was looking at a piece of material that I had put so much of myself into and worked really hard on. And the reality of it is that it wasn't good enough to get published. And I think that's a critical moment where you decide, all right, is this just too much work for me? Or will I accept that challenge and rise up and say, okay, you know something? If that's not good enough, well, then let's dig down deep and start again. And let's see what can be good enough. So I think that was a, that was the critical time for me in terms of seeing if I was really going to try and take this seriously or not. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, given your given your success to date, what, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who may be listening that want to publish their own novels or have their novels published? Yeah, you know, I think you got to. Uh, it's really just kind of a commitment issue. I, I, I tell people this all the time. You know, I look at things that other people do, and I'm always fascinated by the things they can do that I, I just wouldn't imagine I can, but I think with writing, I think everybody, whether it's autobiographical, fictional, thriller, nonfiction, whatever it is, I think people have stories to tell. I think it's kind of a daunting task, though, and it can be a little bit solitary at times. I think it's really just a commitment thing that if people want to write, my, my advice is always just don't overthink it. Sit down and just kind of start to do it and see where it goes. You know, see what you like about it, see what's strong about it, see where. You know, you're always going to be your hardest critic, but I think it's important to be your most honest critic and, and really look at the things as you start and take note of the things you find more difficult about writing, the things that you find easy, and start to kind of figure it all out together. But I think it's just a matter of sitting down and, and, and trying it like anything else and, and giving yourself some time to really try it, you know, really stay committed to it and see where it goes. Great. And so can you talk a little bit about the book that you're working on now, the, the, the third book in, in the deal trilogy? Yeah. I don't want to give obviously too much okay. away yeah, as sure. we, uh, as we've got, you know, just a couple weeks before this one comes out. Um, but yeah, I think what, what we'll see is kind of like where the first one ended. Um, the second one ends the same way. I think it's a very satisfying, complete feeling ending, but we certainly get it that there are some choices to be made in, you know, there's, there's still the next chapter to come. And so that's what I'm working on. But yeah, it's very much in the, uh, 
in the in the vein of, of of Jonah and what this has all been, and a lot of the same characters. I shouldn't say a lot, but a bunch of the usual suspects, his partners and such. Uh, they'll they'll probably be around, and it's definitely along the uh, the same lines. You know, this one has, whereas the original deal was just strictly based in New York City. This one actually has an international flavor to it as well, uh, as I think you know. Maybe you know that a good portion of it takes place in uh, the Netherlands, and uh, I'd say about a third of the book takes place between the Netherlands. You've got the south of France thrown in there at one point for a while, um, but when it comes to the commercial real estate aspect, you've got New York City, you've got the Netherlands, and a couple of other little things. Um, so the next one also, uh, it'll it, they'll always I feel like be primarily New York City focused, but that one will have some international flavor to it as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Adam Gitlin, author of the of the novel The Deal About Face. The thriller novel is available in bookstores now or as an ebook, so go grab a copy today. Yeah, I think it's actually I, I think it's on shelves. I think it, the actual release date's March 4th, but you can certainly Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everywhere you can pre-order it and still have it pretty quickly, I think now. Great. Well, Adam, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay, thanks a Take lot. Care. Have Bye-bye. a good one. Bye-bye. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.